Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cozzy and M. I'm Cozzy. And I'm M. And welcome to episode three, babes. Welcome. We are back. We are back. And it's been a very big week. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having us in your ears. So what have you been watching, reading, doing this week? My wreck? It's not an old wreck. It's a general wreck. I love that. I want everyone to watch American Horror Story. And obviously this was spurred by the latest season has come out. We've got a couple of episodes one episode of American Horror Story Delicate which has been in the news a little bit because they've cast Kim Kardashian in it and Emma Roberts is back she's kind of a recurring feature in the show yeah she's a familiar face on the kind of Ryan Murphy merry-go-round of Hollywood yeah yeah so it's a really general wreck but I think it's just one of those series that some people feel they've missed the boat because there are so many seasons but I'm here to tell you that you haven't it seems like quite spooky like I've I haven't watched the any episodes yet but I've seen clips mainly of Kim who I think is great she's wonderful people are surprised that she can act but I think that's just part and parcel when you're Kim Kardashian level famous yeah you're performing constantly you're on TV your image is your moneymaker she's a natural born actor very keen to watch she's very deadpan she's basically playing Kris Jenner she's playing a publicist she's playing Emma Roberts publicist she is and it's a very kind of fun premise it's based on Rosemary's baby Uh, not spooky at all not spooky at all for the unacquainted Rosemary's baby is a book by Ira Levin who also wrote Stepford Wives so did he also write Stepford Wives he did so he's very big on that kind of like spooky female drama commentary on society kind of thing so if you love a little Mia Farrow devil baby situation very twisted but I think it's perfect for American Horror Story to kind of adapt and for Ryan Murphy to have his way with it sounds scary I will probably be watching it on TikTok in little clips absolutely I think that's the healthy way to do it but I love just a good American Horror Story binge and if you're going to start yeah most people say season one is the best is that the haunted house one yeah it's called murder house I think I started watching it and I got too scared and I did the same thing and I usually like that kind of horror situation I think start with season two which is Asylum it's Sarah Paulson like you just oh okay have to and Jessica Lange singing the name game oh is that the one that's like Anna Banna Bobana it is Banana. I feel like everyone sang that in high school it's iconic and then okay. season three is Coven and I like I would love Coven Stevie Nicks plays herself as a witch in it so it's kind of a no-brainer I just think it's such an iconic show a feat of pop culture I love that if you will so I guess I guess it was spurred by recent events but my rec this week is go and watch american horror story start it give it a shot amazing what about you what's been happening in cozy land um, as always i have more than one recommendation because i cannot help myself these are three really random things they're all well one's a tv show and the other two are movies and the first one i'm going to start on a quite a bleak note there's a new series on stan called the long shadow which is based on the events that happened in the 80s 70s 80s in Yorkshire around the Yorkshire Ripper which was this like really horrifying series of murders that happened in Yorkshire and they all hate that name the Yorkshire Ripper but it's basically a dramatization of what happened I mean there's only one episode so far and it's coming out weekly which is really irritating but it's really good and it's the cast is essentially if you watch British television if you are a frequenter of Britbox or any kind of British show you'll recognize more than half the people in there so I watched that which was a bit grim and then I also had a complete change of heart and watched a great rom-com on Netflix called Love at First Sight which was so good I just loved it 
And everyone always laughs at me when I recommend things, mainly my friends, because I'll say, oh, that was amazing. And then my friends will watch it and be like, that was so trashy. When I say something's good, it's subjective. And when I say something's good, I mean, I enjoyed it. It does not necessarily mean it's good quality. And it's great. It's basically two young hotties who meet on a plane through a series of kind of fortuitous events. They end up sitting next to each other on the plane. They fall in love, but they don't exchange contact information properly. And then it's sort of how they find their way back to each other. Very kind of serendipity with Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack. But it's really cute. I really enjoyed it. It was like set it up for me. Yeah. Like set it up was this great rom-com on Netflix from 2017. Because I feel like everyone just loves a dumb, stupid rom-com. And I'm like, no, where are the intellectual? It doesn't even have to be like an amazing plot. I'm like, just don't demean me. Don't make it like Hallmark. Don't treat me like I'm silly. That's the thing. I'm like, just... I am, but I like to think sometimes. But we're smart, silly. It irritates me. Bring back the good quality rom-coms. And then also over the weekend, I saw Oppenheimer. I saw you'd added to our doc something about Oppenheimer at like 12.30 in the yeah. morning. Yeah, I went to see it on Saturday night by myself. And because I was like, it's a long weekend. Like, what am I doing? I loved it. And I don't understand physics, but I really enjoyed Killian Murphy. I thought... All of the actors were great. Everyone in it, I thought he, Christopher Nolan cannot write female characters. But there's only like three women. And yeah. it's one of them is Florence Pugh, one of them is Emily Blunt. And one of them is the best friend from Juno. Oh, Which random. is super random. And yeah. I, as soon as I saw her, I was like, Juno. And she plays one of the scientists in the Manhattan Project. But I loved seeing all of the other random people who were in it for like one scene. Like Kenneth Brown is in it for two scenes. Rami Malek's in it for one scene. That's like an expensive film. I really like, and Jack Quaid, one of my favorite boys of New Hollywood was in it. Oh. Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. Oh, he's I didn't in know the, he was acting. He's in The Boys. Have you watched The Boys on Amazon? Is that the superhero one? Yeah. I watched a couple of episodes and was so oh, creeped out by really? it. Really? It's so good. But I loved seeing all of those people. And I think I've realized that, and this might be unpopular as a young woman, I really love it. I really love a movie when like a bunch of guys get together and they have a plan and they make it happen. Yeah, boys being boys. I love a boys being boys movie. Also, I think it's because I rewatched Ocean's Eleven recently Uh, and I was like, that's just boys being boys. The only woman in this is Julia Roberts. Yeah, it's boys being boys, committing crime, doing stuff. I really enjoyed it. I thought Emily Blunt was great, but again, very underused. Florence Pugh, incredibly underused. Also, she didn't have to be topless for, like, most of her scenes. Okay, fine. But, yeah, I loved it. Anyway, they're they're my recs. That's a real life and times of Cozzy. You've got a rom-com. You've got true crime. You've got blowing things up. Basically, it's either a rom-com or it's a true crime thing or it's a period drama. And technically, they actually all fall into those because Oppenheimer is a period drama. (laughs) I feel like all of those things are your Roman empires. Oh, totally. I like did such a deep dive when I got home for Oppenheimer. <laughs> I spent like an hour on my computer re- and I didn't understand half the Wikipedia pages. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy, this person. I love physics. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, but something else that we were ta- we've been talking about and we wanted to cover last week, but we didn't have enough time is there's just been this big trend going around on social media of everyone's Roman empires around this sort of thing of guys think about the Roman Empire X amount of times a day. What do we all think about X amount of times a day, a week, a month? What is calcified in your little brain? What's burnt into the membrane? 
is the qualifier that we all have to think about it often. I think it's like you personally. Like okay. I feel like our Roman empires will definitely be different. Yeah. But I think it's... We'll see. Yeah, what, we'll see. What it's are yours? A, mine are very random. My top one is Carly Kloss and Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is essentially a Roman empire, but specifically within that, the friendship slash like possible relationship, alleged relationship between the two of them, I think about all the time. Yeah, I feel like Taylor Swift is kind of the female Roman empire. There's just so many facets to her. So many. And I also, mine are so random. Mine are, um, who is Jack the Ripper? I've thought about it for years. Again, you've got Taylor Swift. You've got true crime. Yeah, literally. Oh, it gets worse. (laughs) Who is Jack the Ripper? Who is in Jeffrey Epstein's Black Book? I feel like that's universal though. Everyone needs to know that. I think about tsunamis all the time. Yeah. I felt like they would have been a way bigger thing in my life. Yeah. It's a bit like, I feel like I had a tsunami phase. I also had like a Bermuda Triangle phase. Yeah. Huge. And huge. I still think about it a lot. Yeah. I think about that. I think about the actual Roman Empire quite a bit because I studied it at school and I was, I enjoyed it. I, and I feel like we were taught this is why we have sewage. this thing. Yeah. yeah plumbing. Sewage. Democracy. Like he got stabbed in the back, the Ides exactly. of March, the everyone's dramatic, a two brute. Oh, speaking of Roman Empire, I think about Pompeii a lot, which yes. is similar vibe. Huge, huge, yeah. huge, huge. So I think about the actual Roman Empire. I think about the colossal squid a lot, like the giant squid in the ocean. I think about if I'm a Serena or a Blair from Gossip Girl. I think about if Robert Kennedy and Jackie Kennedy had an affair after JFK died. I think about that one sparkly top that Keira Knightley wears in Love Actually and like the bit when Andrew Lincoln films her going off on the honeymoon we'll pop a pic on our we'll do and we'll do a picture it's everyone should know about it and i think about kira knightley's entire filmography specifically pride and prejudice and i actually think that's a huge one for me as well the 2005 pride and prejudice yeah and again i think that might be a general one that a lot of people think about every time i watch it i pick up on something new i just think it's like one of the best films ever in the same in the same strain i think princess die is a general one like what happened what happened it's very commonwealth of us but no i think it's so fair after all as we say she's the people's princess i also there are videos i think about a lot there's one of zendaya lip-syncing beyonce in the car oh my god i love that video We'll video we'll put it on instagram too i love that video yes she's so good at it and when it comes up on my TikTok or something, I have to watch it multiple times in a row. I don't know why. Sometimes there are just those things though where it's like you can't experience it just once. It has to be multiple times for it to sink into your brain. Exactly. And related, Tom Holland's lip sync battle. That changed lives. And I think about it probably weekly. I always think about that one bit when he does the, the total flip over yes. when he like does the, I'm trying to do it now, but obviously you can't see it. But when he does the full flip. Oh, this is kind of dancing as well. Channing mm. Tatum and Step Up 2. I haven't seen Step Up 2. Okay, missing a little cultural link there. I've only seen Step Up 1 and also I think I saw it this year or last year. Like it was very recently that I saw Step Up. I missed that whole boat. Like I wasn't really into the dancing or cheerleading films. Like I did watch Bring It On, but I never really watched any of the other Bring It Ons. I never watched Step Up. And it was a real moment with like Honey and... Never seen Honey. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I've just never been into that. Yeah, I'm going to get some texts. But I haven't... I was not into that genre. I was... I don't know what else I was into, but it wasn't those. Yeah. I was into the classic, like, She's the Man, John Tucker Must Die, A Pinnacle of Cinema. Yeah. Hasn't Princess been Diaries, Wild Child. My three, this is what mine were, Centurions, Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging, and Wild Child. Those were my holy trinity. I think that's fair. What about Step Up 2 is your Roman Empire? Okay, one of the final scenes, they do this big dance in the rain. 
anyone who has seen it will know what I'm talking about and now you need to watch it. Should so we put it? Okay, I'll watch it, it and then I can put it on Instagram. Yes. Okay. We'll put this here on Instagram. I also think of Hilary Duff singing Lady Gaga and Gossip Girl. Oh, I hate that. That's something I wish I could unsee. Yeah. So I'm upset for you that it's your Roman Empire. It's like a reluctant Roman Empire. Like I don't want to think about it, but I do. I just try and forget that she was even on Gossip Girl. I'm thinking of my other Roman empires, just things that I think about a lot and yeah. they haven't, they don't, they have no bearing on my life, but I think about, but you think them, about them all the time. That's what it is. The, the pap photos of Vanessa Hudgens hugging Austin Butler. That makes me really sad. It does. I truly thought they were endgame, but. Fucking Austin Butler. This is a classic thing of like guy has mid career for like 12 years and gets with Vanessa who has had the bigger career. Then as soon as he gets famous, chucks her aside and then gets with Kaya. Fair play, Kaya's amazing. But she's also- Kaya Gerber, I'm sorry. Cindy Crawford and Randy Gerber's daughter for those who aren't initiated. She's also very young. But then he didn't even like, because she was the one who told him to go for Elvis, Vanessa was. And then he didn't even say it in an interview. And then he had to go back and like retcon because he said, oh, my friend told me an interview for, sorry, my friend told me to audition for Elvis. And then everyone on the internet was like, oh my God, no, we have the receipts. Vanessa said that. And then he had to retcon and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, actually my girlfriend at the time. I'm like, use her name, respect her. Oh, that's rough. Like we all remember you were on the Carrie Diaries, pal. Uh, yeah, I'm rewatching that at the moment, actually. Are you? <laughs> oh my God. Awful. I loved it. I love Anna Sophia Rob. She's great. They nailed the younger casting yes. of like Carrie and Samantha and stuff. It's oh not, God, yeah. I don't think it's a seamless crossover. Like just because you liked Sex and the City doesn't mean you'll enjoy Carrie Diaries. No, I think you have to think of it as two separate things. Yeah. That's what I did when I watched it. But uh, another Roman Empire yeah. mine, segueing into our first topic. Please. So many moments from Victoria's Secret fashion shows after being paused for five years, which was big when the Victoria's Secret fashion show was about to hit their 25th year. Did it happen around then? Around then. Wow. So it was a really big moment. They started in 1995 and then Victoria's Secret had its downfall and they've come back with Victoria's Secret, the tour, which premiered on Prime Video of all places. Prime Video is a hellscape to me. I, I quite like it, to be honest. I mean, I don't like it because I don't like Jeff Bezos and I refuse to pay for it. But my dad, weirdly, the only thing he will pay for is Amazon Music. So I have his Amazon Prime. I haven't actually met anyone who uses Prime Music. So it's quite good, actually. Shout out. Yeah, my dad is a huge fan. <laughs> anyway, shout out to Amazon Music. Shout yeah. out to my dad. To me, it's always a jump scare when something's on Prime. And when you're watching a TV show, you know, at the end, it auto plays. It'll be like next episode playing in 10 seconds or oh, something. Yeah. Amazon does like 120 seconds. And I think that's out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Victoria's Secret, the tour, which. Now that I say it out loud, feels a bit like High School Musical, the musical, the show. It also sounds like like when Glee would go like Glee live on tour, and it yeah. would just be like a movie. Yeah, of them singing. It's a creative name, but it so the tour was a streamed produced show, whereas the old fashion show was a runway, and it was filmed in Barcelona, Nigeria, Colombia, London, and Tokyo, oh, and then wow. the actual kind of presentation of the outfits was in Barcelona. Right. And it was narrated by Gigi Hadid, which I think is a strong move if they want to. Yeah, because she's like the quintessential Victoria's Secret girl. Yeah. And if they want to appeal to that American audience again, I think it's yeah. an easy way to say we're still us. We're still drivers of culture without actually doing anything. Mm, yeah. It's such a like meaningful, non-meaningful gesture. 
It's quite empty and the narration is quite odd in that she swears a bit in it and they the brief was obviously be super casual and try and be funny and personable whereas the old show format was very polished and shiny and glittery and wonderful and so clean. So glossy. I would never expect that. And it had kind of music interludes, a performance by Doja Cat, which I think is a strange move if you're trying to be completely un- one. uncontroversial. Yeah. Oh, weird. I feel like they're pivoting to try and be like so candid and cool and like we're down with the girls. Like yeah. to not be glossy. Like they're overcorrecting. They're overcorrecting. And I think that's what I was wondering the entire time, like what the goal was. Like are they course correcting and just doing it in a kind of, I don't want to say millennial way. Like a young person way? Yeah, they're going, what are the youths doing? Yeah, 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 okay. I think the result was super random. Like, it wasn't a fashion show. It wasn't a runway. It wasn't a lingerie spectacular. Was it a cultural experience? It wasn't anything, really. Yeah, I just don't really get why they've done it. I mean, and they're bringing back some of the, like... I mean, I was about to say that the old girls, they're not old girls. I'm insane. They're bringing back, like, Lily Aldridge, Adriana Lima, Aduta Ketch is in there, Naomi Campbell, Candice... Hayley Bieber, Emily Radishkowski, like there are some big names in there. And that's what made me question when I started seeing promo for it, I wondered how different it was going to be because their downfall was so swift and so controversial. Yeah. They really had to do something completely different. And I did wonder when they got all the same girls back and they were still wearing wings. Yeah. It felt like maybe it was going to be a bit of a... Like, I I went in with low expectations and came out underwhelmed. It was still... It was still... Same, same. Right. That's disappointing. Yeah, because they had, like, Julia Fox is in there, like, Connor Chasing Horse. Really great people in there. I've read that it's, like, a reimagining of the once popular show designed to better champion women's voices, perspectives, and experiences. And, like, that's in my notes. And then directly underneath, I have a line that says... 2019 New York Times expose entitled How Jeffrey Epstein Used the Billionaire Behind Victoria's Secret for Wealth and Women. Well, that's duality. And I think I feel like I can't separate the sort of stuff when like Epstein served as an advisor for the chief executive of Victoria's Secret, Les Wexner. Wexner stepped down from the company in 2020. But during the time that he worked with Wexner, Epstein tried to pose as a recruiter for the brand in order to have access to young models. And there's all this sort of quite dodgy financial stuff in there which is very icky but like did Victoria's Secret need to be rehabilitated did it need to come back I don't think so there's no way they could continue after all that without rebranding no but I think this kind of fashion show format or tv show format is a bit old like I don't know if they're flogging a dead horse the mission statement for (laughs) the event I guess was to give a new generation of creatives from around the world the opportunity to tell their stories and see their creations brought to life on the world stage and I worry that's a little bit of look at us our values are so fresh and new and we love young talent Mm. when behind the scenes they're probably not paying their own designers a whole lot of money they're probably underpaying their garment workers they're probably not supporting fashion in any other way and they're not actually selling the wings made by independent designers and I wonder what the relationship with the people that they're trying to champion looks like beyond the show like they're not they're not selling independent designers products they're not selling an image anymore which is what the old show format hinged on they're super confused and I think they maybe should have just left the concept in the grave rather than 
rolling back out. Yeah. Putting it's, some blush on it. Because it was so like, A, incredibly toxic, but B, so aspirational. Like you'd watch it and you'd be like, I want to look like Miranda Kerr. I want to look like this and that. And especially because so many of the models, like they were going out with people like Orlando Bloom and like Vomit, Adam Levine and, you know, stuff like that. So it was so like, look at these girls with like amazing bodies and amazing hair and amazing skin and amazing boyfriends and they're walking down a runway and Rihanna is serenading them. That's a, that's fantastic. And I can then I can go and buy the bra that she's wearing. I mean, I think it's all just virtue signaling. I don't need it. It feels a little bit misguided and a little bit unnecessary. It's fascinating that they've been able to get so many people behind it because a lot of people came out against Victoria's Secret. Like Bella Hadid, she spoke about feeling pretty horrible about Victoria's Secret and her involvement and when she'd go to castings and stuff feeling like herded around in her underwear, which they essentially are um, pretty unpleasant. So it's interesting that they've been able to get so much of the kind of old guard back. It's also weird. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on mm. this because I'm a firm believer that not everything exists for us all. Like we're in this real internet age at the moment where we assume that all content is made available for us personally. Like you mm. see it on TikTok, someone will post a video of them like making coffee or something. And in the comments, someone's going, but I don't like coffee. What do I do? It's like, well, don't watch the video then. It's the same as Taylor Swift, where yeah. you see a news article or something about Taylor Swift. And there are people in the comments going, I don't like her music. And that's okay. It's not for you. I think that's a real thing. I always see stuff when like, if there's a headline about something and then people in the comments are like, who cares? And I'm like, well, someone does. If someone's writing an article about it, I'm so sorry to like burst your bubble but someone cares. Someone cares and it doesn't have to be you. Yeah. Like, I don't enjoy football that much. I'm not commenting on videos going, who cares about these guys throwing a ball around? I know that someone does and I know that. I know that very well. I feel very passionately about that idea but at the same time, it kind of feels like Victoria's Secret, this rebrand exists for us all. Like anyone who was scorned by... They want us yeah. to come back into it and be like oh my gosh they're inclusive now it includes all of us yeah and because of that the show the, uh, the tour was very mm. messy and confused because they were so exclusive now they're trying to be inclusive and I feel like for a brand that's been so exclusive for so long it's very hard for them to then pivot to be for everybody because they're so used to not being like that they're so used to being like this is the ideal woman yeah change everything about yourself to be like her but now they're like you are the ideal woman just as you are yeah and I kind of it's like they know they owe us something because of that Mm. but they haven't executed on that like when you I know there are so many forces at play and I guess in a sense they're unlucky that they're kind of the scapegoat for that era like they're our punching bag and they're not the only ones but I think they're just the most recognizable and yeah it's like the Kardashians yeah it's like it's one of the biggest offenders and like I'm someone who ate up Victoria's Secret fashion shows as a teenager with YouTube okay I loved them and for me it was that real this is what you could be and I mean I was the target audience like I'm white and thin yeah able-bodied and I believed that if I owned what they had then you'd look like them. Yeah, I too could be as perfect as it gets. Yeah. So I always feel like I can't exercise that agency of this content isn't for me because I'm going, they did damage. They're trying to make it up to you personally. It's such a strange feeling. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's it's a personal thing. And I feel let down by the way they executed it. And I don't know if anyone watched the tour and really enjoyed it. They no. might have, but it just feels like this strange, you let me down again. Yeah. Which is crazy. I never, I watched them, but mainly for 
the musical stars. So I remember the Taylor Swift one. It was all during like Taylor Swift's 1989 era when she was like best friends, allegedly, with Carly Kloss. And she performed one year and they like walked out holding hands. That was amazing. And also her performance when with she- Fall With Boy. Fall Out Boy. Oh my God, yeah. I loved when Harry Styles performed, but he wore this like fucking horrifying gray <laughs> suit. It was like a light gray suit with like a light green, a mint green button down. It was really disgusting. Anyway, I remember that. There's a clip of Harry Styles that is also one of my Roman empires. Someone walks past him and he just kind of like bows his head. It's really polite. At Victoria's Secret? Yeah. Oh, that's so Someone's nice. walking down the runway and he just bows. And then also when Bella, her did was walking and The weekend was playing and she like avoided him. I enjoyed following them all on Instagram. And I also, I, I did like the content in between because they would show a runway and then they would go behind the scenes. Behind in, the scenes in quotation, quotation marks. marks. We're doing big quotation marks here. Where they would be talking to say Adriana Lima and she'll be talking about the things she does to wind down after a long day at work but then they'd also slip in like their routine leading up to the show and they would just super casually be talking about how they were on a water fast oh yeah they weren't eating they're not eating for three days before the show and then they only have air for three hours before the show that was super casual and they'd talk about how they would do three workouts a day and it was so casual and it was was me and I put a pair of wings on I would keel over Literally, I would faint. Such bizarre commentary. Looking back on it now, I lapped it up then because I was mm. 14 at the time. Looking back at it, that commentary was only designed to make us feel less than and go, I can aspire to that. I can yeah. strive for that. So I think that's why I feel so heated about the tour. Above anything, I'm just confused. I'm like, why did you do this? Just let it die. If you want just a catalogue of your latest designs or if you want to support independent designers, there are 9,000 other ways to do that. Yeah. Move on. So that's Victoria's Secret the Tour. Yeah, so much to... Well, we just unpacked quite a lot there, I think. Talking about, you know, traditional fashion shows and things like that. It's been a really big fashion month. But I think the biggest thing that's happened this week, we spoke about this in one of our previous episodes, that Sarah Burton did her last show at McQueen. It was a beautiful show and she made a great statement. I'm looking forward to the future. My next chapter will always carry this treasured time with me. Francois-Henri Pinot, the chairman and the chief executive at Caring, who owns McQueen, made a lovely statement about how she continued on Lee's heritage and added her own personal highly creative touch to the brand. But it was a really like emotional show. Heroes by David Bowie was playing in during the last few looks, which would just automatically make me cry. And there were so many people there, Kate Blanchett, Elle Fanning, Edward Enifel, Anna Winter, so many other people there to salute her, I guess. Her last little walk down the runway after everyone had showed after the finale was beautiful. She's walking out, she's hugging everyone. Because I feel like so often when the designers come out, they just do a little like, thank you so much. And they did a little head bow with like the hands together and then they go. You can tell they have no idea what to do. Some of them do like a little wave and it's the most awkward thing to watch. Yeah. Some of them are too big about it. Absolutely. And I think that it was really nice to see her get her due. There just seemed to be so much respect in that audience. Absolutely. There was a really great article written in the New York Times by Vanessa Friedman. She wrote, David Bowie's Heroes was playing over the speakers. It was a fitting song to go out on because for the past 13 years, Miss Burton has been as close to a hero as fashion has had, which I think is so nice. She kept McQueen going after a really traumatizing time and also made it one of the biggest legacy brands in the world, but also in Britain. To have such a strong identity as a fashion house in 2023 is very commendable. And yeah. Sarah Burton had a lot to do with that. Absolutely. And I think what 
is sad though is with her leaving and also with Gabriella Hurst leaving it means that there'll be two fewer female fashion designers and none now at Caring un- un- until their replacements are named we don't know yet and we don't know and we don't know. fashion is very much ruled by the man there was also a really lovely tribute article in Vogue, written by Leah Garcia Furtado, with a bunch of really great tributes to Sarah from like Eddie Redmayne talking about when Sarah created his wife Hannah's wedding dress and Sadie Aww. Singh talking about how she didn't know what she wanted to wear at the Venice Film Festival. Sarah came through with a beautiful gown and Rooney Mara saying that she has a really complicated relationship with fashion, but Sarah always made her feel like she was wearing art and she was one of the first people that Rooney told when she was pregnant because they were doing fittings for one of her dresses for an event and she was worried about how her body was going to change and Kaya Gerber also wrote a really lovely kind of letter to her leaving a pretty big legacy pretty big shoes to fill yeah and she really went against the grain of fashion is pretentious and unapproachable I think she really built on what McQueen was she was very true to the brand heritage and vision I'll be interested to see if she goes somewhere next because her identity is so kind of inextricable from McQueen now well, she hasn't said where she's going yet. She needs a holiday. She absolutely needs a holiday. And she also, which I thought was really, really cool, she, in the press notes for the show, she said the show was inspired by Female Anatomy, Red Roses, and Queen Elizabeth I. And she dedicated the show to Lee McQueen. Amazing. I mean, how cool is that? Red Roses and Queen Elizabeth I. I do want to talk about Gucci. This was a much anticipated collection. The first one after Alessandro Michele left the fashion house. Sad. In quite, was it abrupt? I feel like it was, I feel like anything like that when he's, you've been a part of a team for so long, it felt very abrupt. It felt very personal to me. Succeeding him and succeeding his image would be so hard. Oh, talk about a tough act to follow. I mean, same with Sarah Button, but definitely here. They showed with their new creative director, Sabato de Sano in Milan. What did you think? Let's talk. I liked it. I loved it. I felt like I wasn't allowed to think that because I saw a lot of reporting of people saying it was a very safe collection, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I thought it was great. I loved all of the red, which is not actually red. It's called Gucci Rosso. It's a burgundy. I don't know. I was like, it's dark cherry burgundy. (laughs) Like, let's be real. But really interesting how it has the potential to become the new it color. Like how Valentino has pink and Bottega had green, which they're kind of working on not doing as much now. And Burberry has that Eve Klein blue at the moment. Yeah. And now Gucci has the deep cherry burgundy. (laughs) I don't know. I'm like mocha frappuccino, cherry cola, pinot noir thing. I loved it. Kathy Horan reviewed the collection for The Cut. She wrote that Sabato told her, people will maybe say these things are boring in fashion, but not for me. Maybe they don't see the details on the runway. Honestly, I don't care. I don't want to impress. I want to do what I like. And I think that's such a solid way to go into a new role and a very public role. I love that. that. I think that's great. And I saw a lot of people being like, this is like Zara. Because it was simple. It was plain. But that's the beauty of it. And I think it's skill and confidence to say, I'm trusting my vision. I'm not mm. doing it in a way that detracts from the Gucci-ness of it all. You hired me to do my job. I'm doing my job. Yeah, I love the cherry cola, Pinot Noir, Gucci Rosso <laughs> of it all. Tom Ford as well was a bit of a mixed bag in terms of reception. Once again, I really enjoyed the Tom Ford collection. So there's a new designer at Tom Ford who's worked alongside him for nearly 25 years so it's everyone was just saying it was quite similar 
like a lot of references to Tom Ford Iriguchi, particularly the fall 1996 collection going to the velvet suit, very much the suit that Gwyneth wore to the VMAs. You know, everyone, I mean, I'm like, everyone knows it. It's the burgundy <laughs> one with, with the blue button down. It's amazing. Very throwbackish, but I didn't think that's a bad thing. I feel it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you do Absolutely. something too different, people think it's insane if you do something that's too sane people call you out on it I just thought the whole thing was fantastic and but I thought was what was really interesting is that I read a couple of things where people were saying maybe this was a transition collection an attempt by a protege to pay homage to the man who trained him by proving that he understood the legacy and to show his new owners that he was a steady pair of hands maybe after 25 years with working with Mr Ford this is simply what Mr Hawkins knows Or maybe Mr. Hawkins believes correctly that we live in a time of nostalgia for the past, especially that turn of the millennium past where generations that didn't experience it for the first time try and recreate it as closely as possible. The only way they really know how. Pants. I love a good pant. And I think that point about nostalgia is really important as well because we've just spoken about the Supers having a TV series. Absolutely. just spoken about Victoria's Secret redoing what they know. Yeah nostalgia sells absolutely i think it's a tribute and an homage and also if you're working with tom ford for 25 years and you're not doing a razor sharp suit i really enjoyed it but again not everyone felt that way i think fashion a lot of it is about paying tribute they're doing you know they're doing that at scaparelli there's homages to designs from the 40s and no one's saying oh it's samey yeah it's like no he's they're doing something different and that's more obvious they've brought in lobsters yeah, absolutely. Very obvious homage. Daniel Rosebery is bringing in things from the 40s, the lobsters, as you say. It's an homage too. It's a, it's essentially the same thing. Who else? Oh, our boy, Penn Badgley, aka Dan Humphrey. The knees. <laughs> yeah, arriving at Valentino in a kind of... Uh, was it a skirt or was it shorts? I don't know. They had like a little in a thigh slit. I thought it was great. I, I thought it was Tom... He was in Tom Brown because it was very reminiscent of Lee Pace wearing Tom Brown, but I was immediately corrected by the internet. And he was with Andrew Garfield, who was also in turn with Florence Pugh. I don't like anything that she wears now. No, and Valentino hasn't really done anything remarkable for me kind of recently. I didn't really enjoy the Barbie Pink situation. I didn't, I haven't enjoyed a lot of Florence Pugh's looks. My Florence Pugh's looks so derivative. But moving on to another thing that's happened this week, which we posted about Angelina Jolie in Vogue. Take it away, please. So Angelina Jolie covered American Vogue wearing and announcing her newest fashion venture called Atelier Jolie. And it's not a typical brand. It's more of like an, a creative incubator. Of course it is. Of she course can't just it is. Do, she can't just do a fashion line. It's very Ange. Like it's a collaborative space to nurture brands, to use the language of the piece. I read that, yeah. But it's like sustainability focused. They're supporting emerging designers. The studio is Andy Warhol and Basquiat's former home. And then she was like, Zahara and I, one of her daughters, went and saw it and we just knew Zahara had a feeling. I'm like, oh, Zahara had a feeling. Did she? Did she really? <laughs> and there's also a cafe which partners with refugee organizations. So it's it's her to a T and I'm so excited to see what comes out of it. I'm intrigued. I read the quote, this quote where she was like, I don't want to be a big fashion designer. I want to build a house for other people to become that. So she wants to basically create like a creative community. Which sounds wonderful. And I think it's so, or I feel this, it's so easy for me to be disillusioned by like celebrity brands. Mm. And I feel there are so many famous people and more recently influencers who probably shouldn't transition into business or fashion and they don't have any bearing in style but 
like Angelina Jolie is a style icon, whether she likes it or not. I wonder if it's going to be like the row. Like it'll go that way. Yes. And the writer, Chioma Nadi. Oh my God. Yes. We must talk about her. I don't think we've spoken about her on the pod. No, we haven't. She's fantastic. She's just been named the new head of editorial content for British Vogue. So essentially the new editor-in-chief, but they're just not using that title. So she's replacing Edward Enifal. She compared the idea to the row to quote the brand or Atelier Jolie is where fame doesn't overshadow the clothes or undervalue the commitment. And I think that hits the nail on the head. And I read as well that you can get like repair services for stuff that you buy. So you can, there'll be take home mending kits and do it yourself activity stations in the cafe to like fix your clothes. Which, which sounds fun. Random. They said there's like a do it yourself stud station, which took me back to like the Coachella oh, core yeah. of Vanessa 2013. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Tell me about it stud. And as well, the thing that got me in this piece was she says, I was 26 when I became a mother. And that just broke my brain. She's only 48. Like in my head, she was, yeah. she's been alive for like 3000 years. And I assume she was closer to like Brad Pitt. She but has also, like eternal, immortal goddess energy though. She does. Yeah. And I kind of put her in the category with like Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise and mm. George Clooney. And they're mm. all that little bit older. older. Mm. So I just assumed she was so much older, but she's so young. So then she was like 27, 28 when she... No, it was a bit older when she got with Brad, but she didn't mention Brad at all, obviously, in this piece. Yeah. She would have been lawyered up to the max and PR'd up to the max. She did the typical, like, been a massive few years. Oh, I know. I hate that. And then she's like, me and my kids. And I'm like, like, we all haven't read the court documents. We know. We know. I thought what was really interesting is two things. The quote, so when she talks about, I was 26 when I became a mother, having children saved me. I would have gone under in a much darker way had I not wanted to live for them. And it really took me back to when she was with Billy Bob Thornton and they had the vials of blood around each other's necks and stuff and it was all getting a bit dark and spooky there. So her kids obviously did save her. There was one part in the piece that I loved. So Chioma writes that they're kind of browsing the studio, they go downstairs and she strips off and the photographer starts taking photos of her back and she says that they're trying to turn tattoos into patches. I read that and I was immediately like, is this going to look like a really icky Zara t-shirt? I think it could be fun. I feel like patches had a real moment on like jackets and stuff years ago, but it's a cool idea for someone who is a name in fashion and she is a name with tattoos and she follows it up with a quote she says my kids would roll their eyes if they were here I was quite dark when I was young I was a punk not the popular kid going to thrift stores cutting things up burning little teeny cigarette holes into things that was me as a teenager and I wouldn't trade it for the world maybe that part of me wants to push back oh my god she's such a little punk yeah I think her tattoos are great I mean name me a celebrity where I can name multiple tattoos other than her and Harry Styles I was gonna say Harry Styles I'm like Harry Styles and Angelina Jolie I know at least four or five of their tattoos. The only other notable celebrity tattoo is Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just the one. Wait, that's so dis- I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, we won't talk that's about that disgusting. today. I love this bit as well. And I'm intrigued to see what you think about it when she's saying goodbye to Gabriella Hurst in the article. And she says, Jolie turns to hug Hurst goodbye. I'm not really somebody that has girlfriends. So this has been an interesting jump for me, she says. I thought that was interesting because usually if someone said that, I'd be like, oh God. Like, Well, immediately I was like red flag. Yeah. But I went. it makes sense though. Not a girl's girl, but. I hate when girls are like, I only have guy friends. Girls are just so much drama. But also I feel like every girl in Hollywood would fucking hate her after what she did, like after the whole <laughs> Brad Angelina 
Jennifer. Oh, yeah. And also she's living such a weird life that it's like, well, how can you make new friends? And at the same time, she's like a United Nations advocate. Like, how can you be beautiful oh, yeah. and perfect? Pick one. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And she's also got about 20,000 children. So it's like, when does she have time to socialize? Exactly. And raising the future. And start this like game-changing incubator, incubator. brand. Incubator. She, I feel she's one of the only celebrities that does philanthropy well in terms of like publicly practicing what she preaches well and I liked that in the article they talked she talked about fashion and she was like just clothes that I wear and she's very conscious like in her advocacy work that she's just a person she's not wearing anything fancy she's just wearing plain clothes to get the job done the piece really showed that she understands the value of fashion whether it's plain whether it's spectacular whether it's a red carpet or not she understands how big the industry is, which is why we need a champion designers. And she knows that this kind of idea, it's not overly commercial. Like I could never start this kind of thing because making money off off of it would be really difficult. But she knows that with the backing of someone with money, someone with compassion and someone with fame, it can take off. So I think it's an interesting kind of arm of philanthropy, but it's just her doing another thing. It's just adding another feather to her cap. What were you introduced to Angelina Jolie by? I'm pretty sure it was Lara Croft. I feel like it was Lara Croft. Then she was in A Shark's Tale where she played the kind of sexy sexy fish. fish. And then I don't think I watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith until I was a bit older, but I definitely read about her in the papers because I was all I would... When I would go to the supermarket with my mum, we would just read. In like the checkout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I knew about her from that, but I'm pretty sure it was Lara Croft. For me, it was that super insane edgy girl one girl interrupted i had a real moment with that again adding to last week in my tumblr days that's actually such a tumblr girl movie genuinely really love it it's got britney murphy in it as well it's a heavy movie but i enjoyed it that and kung fu panda oh she was the tiger she does a good sexy yeah There was a great, there are some great photos of the press tour when she was pregnant because she was pregnant with the twins when she was doing Kung Fu Panda and it's her and Jack Black and Jack Black sticking out his stomach to look pregnant with her and it's so cute. I love how I'm like, she's pregnant with the twins, like she's my friend. But we'll just do to wrap a little brief and this is, I'm sorry if people don't like the Kardashians, but we're talking about them. They're important to culture. Yeah, they're important to culture, culture with a K. And for this section only, I'm Cozzy with a K. Kim has been on a real sort of, I don't want to say renaissance because I feel like she's constantly in renaissance, but she's having a real moment on the small screen. We mentioned earlier American Horror Story. So she's Emma Roberts' publicist. And I think it's fascinating because she's essentially playing Kris Jenner. And I love it. But I find it so interesting because the conversations that she's having with Emma Roberts as her client, who was, you know, was on a teen soap in the series, but then gets her big break. And then she starts to get into contention for awards and they're having this meeting and she says something like, you're not an actress anymore. You're an athlete now. Do you understand what goes into people being nominated for these things? Do you understand what, and obviously she's being facetious and very dramatic. She's like, do you understand what sexual favors are being traded right now for you to even be considered for these sorts of things? Do you understand the work that's being put in? And I'm like, she would know more than anyone else in that room. What has to be done to grasp fame and to claw your way up? 1000%. And I can imagine that 
she and her mother have had very similar conversations. I just find that really fascinating. It's very meta. It me. is very meta. It kind of plays into the conversation where I feel like I get more out of certain TV shows because I have an understanding of pop culture. It's yeah. like Barbie. I feel like I enjoyed Barbie a lot more because I have listened to interviews with Ryan Gosling. I've seen Kate McKinnon on SNL. I understand her foundation in comedy. Mm. So I feel like I kind of get more out of whatever media it is. It's more rewarding. So I feel like watching American Horror Story, understanding Kim's relationship to Chris to PR, to Hollywood, to TV. to fame, to that. And that's why it's like the ultimate good move. And I think Ryan Murphy does this so well, casting people in those roles. And some of the scripts, some of the stuff that she says in it, she calls, she talks to Emma Roberts about pulling a wild move or something, but it's wild as in Olivia Wilde. And And she basically is like, you have to pull a wild move. Deny, 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 and then gaslight anyone who asks, you know, tries to ask you any questions referencing Olivia Wilde with everything that happened with Don't Worry Darling. Which feels very soon. I loved it. When I, I heard that, it. I had a little inward scream. What does Kim know? Oh, Kim knows everything. I shudder. I shudder to think. I'm like, Kanye keeps coming out about what he knows about the Kardashians. I'm like, what does she know? There are some things where I just feel like I should be entitled to know what happened. Like, yeah, I think there are some secrets that maybe someone could just tell me. I think it should be like, you know how the CIA and stuff, they have files that will be declassified after 50 years. I think that should happen. Yes. With the Kardashians. Celebrities get like a QA and a and mm. any recurring questions they must answer. Kim is a goldmine of information, but I think it's really interesting and very smart that she's playing... It's a play on herself and her sisters and their fame. and But it also does lend itself to that darker look at Hollywood, which I really enjoy. And I find it so fascinating that she's just said that on the show and everyone's picking up on it. Yeah. Like... We heard it. We heard it. It's here. We're talking about it. So season four of The Kardashians is back as well. And Kim is in the shit with Courtney. Yeah. It kind of carried over from last season. So they had their feud about Dolce. And so essentially, if you aren't watching the Kardashians, just give a very quick explainer. So Courtney Kardashian got married in Italy to Travis Barker of Blink-182 fame. And the whole wedding was essentially sponsored by Dolce & Gabbana. Everyone wore Dolce & Gabbana. Courtney wore Dolce & Gabbana. All the guests wore Dolce & Gabbana. It was a huge, huge thing. There's a wedding special of it on Disney+. Plus. And then soon after, the timeline is a wee bit unclear. Soon after, Kim got asked by the Dolce team to do a archival show showcasing looks from the 90s bearing in mind that Courtney's wedding was a bit 90s-esque and Kim got asked to to do this to pull together this show a huge opportunity for her and as she said at the time and I completely agree with her a huge chance for her to be taken seriously by the fashion industry obviously Dolce & Gabbana have their own place in fashion history they are not as loved as they once were because of various issues surrounding racist comments that Dolce, both Dolce and Gabbana have said, nevertheless, they are sort of still going and have huge names attached to them who go to their shows. And so Kim did this show. Courtney got so pissed off about it and was just like, I can't believe you've done this. I had my relationship with Dolce. This has happened. And then Kim was like, well, you got married in Italy and I got married in Italy. And, you know, don't why are you getting mad at me just chill and then it got worse and now the new seasons happened and they made up apparently in between filming but then watching the edits back for the show Courtney got her back up again and I think it must be really difficult to watch what people are saying about you in confessionals 
not to your face. I've always wondered that. Like, do they go back and watch things? I definitely think they do. I mean, I would. And I think part of it is because they just have to be across what people are saying. Because if you were getting comments on your Instagram and you had no idea what the context was, you, I would lose my mind. Especially if they're attributing it to your sister. Yeah. So essentially the feud is back in the first episode of the season and Courtney and Kim have this discussion over the phone and it's actually insane. I loved it. I loved every second of it. But Kim looks all lo-fi at home and she doesn't really have any makeup on and she's got her hair kind of looking a bit normal person, like low ponytail. She's wearing a criminal t-shirt. Yeah, terrible, terrible outfit. Very distressed. And she's on FaceTime audio, I think, which I found really weird. I'm like, just call. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, they're on the phone and Kim has been invited to another Dolce event in Italy which is which has already happened and she wore an amazing purple gown and I think I'm pretty sure that's the one they're talking about and Kim calls Courtney and she's like I just wanted to let you know that Dolce have invited me to do this other event and like you know are you okay with that and Courtney's just like and no she asks Courtney if she wants to come and then Courtney's like to be honest I'm a little Dolce'd out which is fair and being polite and then it kind of goes from there where Kim is like just sort of, I don't really know. I'm more of a Kim fan. So I'm kind of on Kim's side, but then everyone says that Kim's gaslighting Courtney, where basically she's like, Kim's like, we never see you anymore. You never talk to us. What's wrong with us? I feel like you hate us. And Courtney's like, I'm just living my life and I don't want to see the family all the time. And I actually am sick of seeing all of you. And I hate when I'm around you. And I've got my new family now, the Barkers essentially. Kim kind of comes back and is like, everyone's worried about you. We have a side chat with all of your friends and the side chat's called Not Courtney and we just talk about you and we're worried about you and your kids have come to me saying things which everyone says was quite below the belt. And I was just like, oh, whatever. She's just imparting information. What did you think about all of that? There were some things that I think maybe they should have kept off the TV show. Yeah. Especially the part about the kids. Like anytime you're discussing how kids feel about their parents, maybe maybe keep that private. That's what I thought was so fascinating that it was like pretty unguarded. Yeah, it was fairly unfiltered. And then Courtney calls her a fucking witch. And that leads into what I think is that it's just a very sister thing that's intensified by the fact that they work together. Like some days I want to death roll my sister and other days I think she's the greatest person on earth. It's just, it's part of being siblings and I think that's only intensified by the Kardashian dynamic and the idea that they have to see each other so often to keep this TV show going, which Courtney said in the past she doesn't want to do, which I'm completely unfazed by the fact that she wants to take a step back like she's got multiple stepchildren now she's got I think it's so fair but I also think that she like I think think she could have cut and run when the first Kardashians ended before they came back on Disney plus I'm like that would have been the time to step away yeah I'm wondering what the incentive was to stay I reckon it's because she's had so much renewed publicity since she got with Travis yes she's become the most interesting out of all of them shockingly after she dumped Scott I only liked her scenes previously because she was with Scott and he's obviously the comic relief character. I loved when – I love the whole Kim-Courtney feud. I just find it really interesting. I do find it interesting and there are so many layers to it. This is such a 2023 comparison, but Mm. I feel like – bear with me. Courtney is the Conroy. Kim is Kendall. Oh, wow. Okay. Courtney's kind of, she's not the crown jewel of the family. She's not the most celebrated, maybe a little bit overlooked. And she, she runs with that. Whereas Kim is the most involved and the busiest. She's the oldest boy of the Kardashians, 
but everyone forgets that Connor was the oldest boy and that Courtney's the oldest boy. I always think that Kim is the oldest one. Exactly. And Courtney's maybe a little bit salty about that. God knows why. Again, oh, yeah. family dynamics are so hard. But also Kim gave them all a career. I feel like that's just the be all and end all of the discussion. It is. And I think if you said that to any of them, maybe Kylie would be like, yeah, she did. I think Kylie and Kendall and Chloe would be on board with that. I don't think Courtney would want to hear that. I feel like Kylie's the Roman. Interesting. Chloe's the Shiv. Like she's got her own thing, but she still likes being involved in what yeah. the family's doing. Okay. Kylie's What's like Kendall, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That's so mean. Chris is Logan, obviously. Yeah. I think it's a this valid comparison. <laughs> I'm fascinated. I just think that I think that Kim is so the matriarch. Courtney's probably pissed off about it, but also Courtney's got to get out of jail free card. She's with the Barkers now. She's pregnant. She's having that little baby. And I read this really interesting thing in Vulture where they were pretty pro Courtney. It says the faux ugly aesthetic of the fight, her no makeup makeup, her loose jeans, forced humility shows Kim at her worst. The argument ending with her weaponizing Courtney's children against her, claiming they come to their aunt to complain about their mum's new bad personality. In any other reality show, it might feel like a moment of reckoning, but this new iteration of the Kardashians only ever emphasizes the closeness of family, how they are the only people that matter to each other. They only fight in order to make peace bigger and better than before. Kim is only as badly behaved, narcissistic, vindictive, money and style minded as her general audience has always presumed her to be. Courtney can't say anything about her sister that hasn't already been said by someone else. And I think that's totally correct. I'm not really on either side, but I I see exactly what they mean. And I see exactly what kind of the Kim issue is as well. Oh, Kim is the worst, but I also think Courtney's annoying as hell. And I would be annoyed at her. Because also, this all came from... I feel like I'm really getting into it now. No, I don't But like I feel it. like it really came from that whole argument a few seasons ago where she wasn't pulling her weight. Yeah. And Courtney would always pull out her stuff. And Kim was like, I would go on pain of death. I would go if I had a fever. I would... I will not let the team down. And I think in their mind, Courtney is constantly letting the team down. But Courtney's like, no, I have a new team. I am not Team Kardashian anymore. I'm Team Kardashian Barker. And I think that's the root of the problem because Kim is such a ride or die. And Courtney's like, I'm getting out of this for my mental health, which is also completely fair. But on Kim's radar, I feel like that's, she's being weak or whatever. And Courtney can do that. Kim can't. Courtney is let me chilling. Kim needs to let me chill. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and also a very quick update. Taylor Swift has been at the football today with an incredibly random crew of people. Blake Lively. Hugh Jackman, Sean Levy, the director, Sophie Turner, Ryan Reynolds. They've all gone to see Travis Kelsey play. He's suddenly everywhere. I've seen him in Vanity Fair, all these things. But also she's on break from tour. She's not. Yeah. So she's not touring at the moment. So this is a really good way for her to stay in the headlines. She's still top of our minds, even when she's not on tour, which I find very interesting. She's like, I'm not on stage every night. I'm not generating these TikToks like I was. I'm not generating all this stuff. But let me find a way to stay on everyone's mind. Whether or not that's a thing, I just feel like it's an interesting observation. And I love that she was out with Sophie Turner again. Yeah. Keep taking Sophie Turner places. What happens if you just call Taylor up? Yeah. We should probably stop talking. I feel like we end every episode that way. Yeah, we're just like going, going, going. And then we go, oh God, we've been recording for nine years. But thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe. And see you next week for more fun stuff. That's all. Bye. Bye.